Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 283 for February 14th, 2023. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I'm your Valentine host, Randy Snow. On today's show, Super Bowl 57 went down to the wire, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023 was announced. In honor of Black History Month, this week's history lesson is a profile of Herb Trawick, the first black player in the Canadian Football League. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table for me, as always, is my son, Adam. Yep, I'm here. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And you know, thoughts and prayers you know, to everybody at Michigan State for yeah. the uh, latest and the unfortunately long string of tragedies this country has had to face, unnecessary violence. Why can't we put an end to all this? It's it, the, the cycle is tiresome, and yeah. you can only give thoughts and prayers so much before people got to start doing something. I, I don't know what we can do about it, but as a society, we got to figure out a way to just stop all this nonsense. And well, that's you, all I'll say about that. I mean, that happened in our backyard. You know, yeah, East Lansing is you hear about these, uh, hour and a half away. You hear about these mass shootings all over the country. And this one was right, literally, in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, an hour away from And what, us. they said, like, 15 months since the yes. the one that happened uh, over by Oxford. Detroit? Oxford. Yeah. So it's unsettling. It's, you know, scary. You know, I, I have a friend who, a few friends who went to Michigan State University. Yep. They're not there now. But, I mean, it's it's big and scary, you know, having that right there in a place that was a safe space for them. And now these sure. students have this, you know. And it was just, uh just nerve-wracking last night and you know our, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody but that that has to stop yeah i mean it, it really does it, i don't know what we need to do to change it i want to start the show off on a bad note because we have a lot of fun things to talk about today but i just i would have felt really bad if we didn't at least acknowledge you know what happened in in east lansing and our thoughts are with them and that whole community up there yep. and those families and everybody we're thinking of you okay we come to you each week from the fabulous World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, where we post the entire audio portion of this show, as well as other selected videos. We're also on Amazon Music, so you can simply ask Siri or Alexa to play the World of Football podcast. So let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football scoreboard. That's right, and uh, this week is probably the most important football score of the entire calendar year, yep. as we are going to talk about Super Bowl 57, which was played between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of nights ago, and what a game this ended up being. Yeah. Uh, a 38-35 shootout, which saw the Kansas City Chiefs down by 10 going into the fourth quarter, came back to win this game. Patrick Mahomes, even on his bum ankle, had one of the greatest Super Bowl runs I've ever seen, you know, knowing that he was injured. A run that was crucial, you know, on that drive uh, late in the yeah. game that he pulled off. I was shocked he was able to pull off, yeah. but he, you know, through you could see him just bearing, you know, through his teeth. He was just in yep. pain during that yeah. whole thing. So it, he deservingly, I think, got the Super Bowl MVP, though there was a defensive player, that guy who scored the scoop and score touchdown. I was really thinking he mm. was going to be the MVP. Yeah. He had two of them. One of them got called back, yeah. uh, but... 
you know, uh, the Chiefs, you know, that second half, totally different game. Uh, the Eagles came out strong. I thought the Eagles looked great that first half. They couldn't do much wrong at all until the um, the fumble that Jalen Hurts had, which, you know, got Kansas City back in the game. And I think that start like, they were still up by 10 going into the half. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the turning point where I was like, all right, Kansas City, they could have really pulled away from Kansas City at that point, but that fumble really kept Kansas City in it. Yes, but still through three quarters, this was all Philadelphia in this game. Yeah, and, true, and, you know, I don't think true. that fumble, you know, that fumble touchdown really hurt them that much at that point because they came back and scored a few more times after that. So, you know. Maybe, but I just think, like, you you don't let that happen. If that turns into a, a Philadelphia conversion there. Oh, yeah, that was an easy, you, easy They could have gone point. up 17 maybe going into the half, and I think that would have been a little yeah. tougher to come back from. So I definitely think that was a big pivotal moment in the game for me. And another big pivotal moment in the game was the touchdown of Western Michigan's own <laughs> Sky Moore. That's right. Sky Moore getting his first touchdown of the season in the Super Bowl, no less. The first of his career. First of his career in the NFL. What a cool moment that was. I mean, we've been pulling for Sky Moore all year. Oh, the, yeah. the poor kid had uh, uh, the case of the fumbles early on in the year, you know, uh, muffin punts. And he got kind of benched. And then he seemed like he was benched from kickoff duty during this game, too. Um, but he came out, they still used him. They weren't shy to try to get him in on some of those um, option kind of plays or plays where they fake to one guy. The Kansas City pull out so many great plays during this game. Yeah. And Sky Moore's touchdown was fantastic, so good for him. Um, and then there was a second Western Michigan player on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs lineup, uh, Mike Caliendo. Yep. Uh, he was a second, uh, sorry, he was a free agent uh, signing by the Chiefs this offseason, and uh, obviously Sky Moore was a second-round pick by the Chiefs last year. So it was cool seeing Western Michigan represented in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was. Um, And actually getting a touchdown, that made it even more special and cool that, you know, Western was there. I didn't like uh, when Kansas City pulled out the uh, ring around the rosy play. Oh, get over it, old man. Oh, man. I couldn't believe they were doing it. I'm like, old man yelling at you are behind in this game and you're doing that crap. Just score the touchdown and get take the lead. Maybe you do that when you got the lead, but not when you're coming from behind. You know what? Please, you pull out it's the Super Bowl, you pull out all the stops. I think it wasn't quite the obnoxious ring around the rosy like they pulled against the Raiders. No, it wasn't, but you could see it. The play didn't work, but you can see where, like, they even uh, Greg Olson, I think, did a decent job color commentating during the game. He pointed out that one of the linemen went into, um, he was like an, an eligible receiver position. So the way he kind of lined up, that would have really thrown a defense off, but they just, I think they covered everything really well, so that just didn't work. But, I mean, I could see what, what Kansas City was trying to do, and, uh, it, yeah, it just backfired. I don't think it was as obnoxious as you think it is, <laughs> but it's whatever. I, I was fine with it. Like, get out of here, Randy, you and your yelling at clouds. <laughs> No, I didn't care for I didn't care for the uh, the two guys in the booth either. No, uh, they I don't know. They just uh, they didn't do anything for. Well, me. they were saying I saw an interesting tweet about how Greg Olson, the color commentator. You know, these two guys did XFL games last year for Fox, yeah. but you know, I think Greg Olson's really come a long way this year. He's still not my favorite color commentator. The um, play-by-play guy, I can't remember his name at the top of my head. I apologize, but he was okay as well. You know, I've heard him on some games. But as I said, Greg Olson's making like $10 million right now as their lead analyst. And in two years, when Tom Brady comes and becomes the lead analyst for Fox, that Greg Olson's $10 million a year contract's going to get bumped down to $3 million a year. So because of Tom Brady, this guy's going to lose $7 million a year in commentating money. I just thought yeah. that was interesting. 
Yeah, I I didn't care for that whole crew. I looked at those guys. And I'm like, who are these guys doing a Super Bowl? It it was weird. It wasn't their typical A list, you know. Right. Um, Troy Aikman, couple and... of guys, but I, you know, I think Greg Olson can be a great commentator, you know, going forward. Like I said, I had no problem with him. I think he actually had a few good play, uh, you know, analyzing plays and stuff throughout the game. I was actually okay with. Um, but anything else from this game, I. I the, the way the Eagles blew it, and it wasn't like the way the Falcons blew that lead against the Patriots. It wasn't that like egregious of a blow, you know, blowing the lead. But the way the Chiefs just kind of clawed their way back into it, and the Eagles just there's not a moment where I could point out in that last quarter, that second half, that made me go, "Wow, the Eagles really screwed that up." No, they they, they did it, not. It didn't I mean, feel like that. Jalen Hurts played a whale of a game. Yeah, Jalen Hurts was oh. other than the fumble. I think Jalen Hurts was incredible. I think this was just a, a case of who's going to get the ball last. Yeah. And and on that last drive for Kansas City, they held on to that ball for every second they possibly could and kicked that field goal. Which is what Philadelphia did so well in the first half. What was it? It was like 16 minutes of, of uh, having the ball to seven minutes to Kansas yeah. City in the first half at one point. Yeah. I, that That's the strategy to beat the Chiefs. But in the sure. second half, they flipped it, and I, it felt like I don't have the number in front of me. It felt like Mahomes and the Chiefs were on the field a lot more than the Eagles, were, and that yeah. might be the difference there. Yeah. yeah, I mean they got the ball to start the second half, which is always a smart move in a I think in any football game. Take right. the second half kickoff before the first half kickoff. That could really swing your momentum, and the Chiefs did that, and it proved to work. Yeah, even before this game, I I really felt that uh, the winner was going to be whoever had the ball last, and you know. A couple of high-powered offenses. I mean, they came what within a couple points of uh, tying or surpassing the record for the most yeah, points. Yeah, I had to look it up during the game because Super Bowl. I guess the the highest combined point total was seventy-five points in Super Bowl twenty-nine between the San Francisco 49ers and San Diego Chargers. What was that? It was like forty-nine to twenty-six. I think was that final score. So when we were getting close to seventy points, and when it was thirty-five, thirty-five, I was like, we've reached seventy points. We are within five points of the most combined points in a Super Bowl, which is incredible. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that. I could have. Right. I, yeah. I mean, you look just, at that score. It seemed only, like that was true. It didn't feel like it because it was only in the 30s. You know, nobody cracked 40. But you look at it, it's like, yeah, the, that's 70 points combined. And then obviously they ended with 73 points because of the game winning field goal by uh, Harrison Butker, who ironically, you know, got hurt on that uh, that field there. In uh, Arizona, that uh, field in the first was game trash. Game, will, I was going to ask, do you want to talk about that field? We'll that field was terrible. But congratulations, Butker, for overcoming that. But yeah, so this field apparently cost eight hundred thousand dollars. It was for two years, supposedly just made for this particular game. They, it was sitting at a sod farm. They had who was it? The sod father out there on the field, I guess. You know, uh, the guy who orchestrated this field, and this field was not great. No, I field was not conditions were weird. Like you. you it's no joke to say like it felt like every other place somebody was slipping on this field. Yeah. I don't know whether to blame the fact that they didn't have the right cleats or what, but I mean they had cleats or the right kind of cleats. They even showed the Eagles had spare cleats just in case you know to adjust to this yeah. field. But it did seem like anywhere there was paint on that grass or just you know there was just no real good footing on that field for whatever reason. Well, even when guys ran out of bounds, you know, the minute they got off the field, they were slipping on the sidelines, yeah. you know, and it just, it just, it was terrible. Really and, bad. And they had people out there after the halftime show uh, trying to fill in a lot of the divots on the field. So uh, I don't care. Sod father, whoever you are, uh, you did not come through with this field. Uh, I'm not impressed at all. Somebody also said that because of the halftime show and because of the way the field was, and I forget the verbiage, so I'm just kind of paraphrasing, that 
the way the field was kind of compressed or covered by everything they needed for the halftime show, mm-hmm. that that also like did something to the field to kind of, I don't know if it brought in more moisture yet or whatever, you know, however they described it. You, you could look it up. Somebody described it and I thought it was fascinating that that also contributed to some of the slippage uh, on the field for some of the game. Well, so, you said that field uh, cost 850000 No, 800000 just 800000 Well, that's that's about the going rate for a good AstroTurf field. High school fields have, have uh, you but, know, but, you artificial know, fields, play, and that's what they're players paying. Have been, player safety have been complaining about the artificial turf, you know, not being great on them. True. And I didn't see any injuries during this game. I ain't going to lie. There was some slipping and sliding, but I don't think there was anybody other than Mahomes yeah, re-aggravating his got, ankle, got, got hurt, which so. was a weird play where he just got rolled up under a guy. You can't blame the turf or the yeah. field on that. But I don't think anybody got carted off the field or hurt or you know anything like that because of this field. So I don't know. So the turf wasn't great. The officiating wasn't great. I mean, I do think that they probably shouldn't have called that one hold there towards the end of the game. But it was, I mean, technically... That was a 50-50. They could have called it, they could have not They probably shouldn't have called it, but they did, and it is a a penalty. They didn't make one earlier in the game, so I don't know if they're making up for anything. So whatever. I'm not going to blame the officials. I don't think the officiating was perfect either. But, you know, other than some of those quibbles, this was a great Super Bowl. The last two minutes kind of sucked because it was a bunch of kneels and a field goal kick and then a real bad attempt at uh, Hail Mary, which... Yeah, I don't know I don't, where that was going. I, I think he slipped again. on the field there too. I, I watched it, and I'm, I'm not sure if maybe somebody might have hit his arm. I, when, I think as he, he was throwing that. I think he slipped on the field. I, the way I looked at it, I could be uh-huh. wrong. It did look like he slipped yeah, on that turn. You know, he, he looked like he was going to heave it, you know, a mile, and right. it went hard. I mean, it was like a pop fly. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't go nearly as far as I thought he thought it was going to go, and <laughs> it's not that he outthrew his coverage; he underthrew the coverage because everybody was a lot farther yeah. downfield. And, uh, yeah, that was embarrassing. But, yeah, so uh, that's it for um, the game itself. I know we're going to go into the, the news here, but do you want to jump down and just still talk about stuff that's related to the Super well, Bowl? Did, like, did you want to talk about the halftime show? Yeah, let's talk about the halftime show real quick. Uh, you're not a big Rihanna fan. Well, you, I wouldn't say You didn't not, know who Rihanna I, was going I knew, into this game. I knew who she was. I had <laughs> All the songs that she sang, I had never heard any of them before, so I, I couldn't tell you, you know, what she, you know. Uh, it was all new to me. You knew there most a few, of them. Like, even a couple, I was like, oh, I guess I never realized that was because, you, you know, going around, you always hear music right. here and there. I, I thought at first, I was like, this is great. I liked the, the stage layout. That was very unique. It wasn't as intricate as the one last year where it was like the house and all the rappers, you know, came out of that house, right. which was a cool setup. I think that was probably the coolest stage they've ever had. But this was so simple, but it was so cool because it was just five just platforms elevated platforms elevated above the field and i was like wow this was genius and apparently did you see the video of one of the dancers on one of those while in the air almost fell off no i didn't oh you got to look up that it yeah they they're all strapped on so i don't actually think they would have fallen off but they got yeah. close but i mean i thought that just the visuals was were great but when it came to rihanna getting off of that after the first song or two and down with her dancers which i thought the dancers did great they all would have been fine like jamal williams was but uh, she didn't move around a whole lot, and I was kind of disappointed. I was like, "What? what's the point? Yeah. What's yeah. the point here? And I was really bummed out. I think she sounded great, you know, singing-wise. She did a few little moves, like when you're an old white man in a party, and you just got, like, <laughs> just a couple little, you know, like moving your arms and your shoulders, and you're just swaying back and forth. That's what she was doing. I was like, what's, what's going on? I expected more from Rihanna. Then we found out after the halftime show that 
she was pregnant again. She's yeah. pregnant with her second kid. And I was like, well, that explains why she didn't move around a whole lot. And that changed my perspective on the whole show. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say this is a top five Super Bowl act. I'm still like, when I think of the best Super Bowl acts, I'm going to think of Lady Gaga. I'm going to think of Katy Perry. I'm going to think of Paul McCartney. I'm going to think of... Um, Prince, maybe? I didn't even like the Prince performance, oh. to be honest with you. That's just me. But like, Rihanna... Okay, Rihanna might be like sneaking up there into five you know five or six somewhere in that area i i enjoyed her performance like, i don't think anything's gonna top Katy perry coming out on that giant lion <laughs> no. mechanical lion no, i don't know lady, how they but, pull that off but lady gaga but, just was, i think just yeah when she like uh, uh jumped from the roof down to the well, field i think that was a little whatever but still stage, but, yeah but i just think you know i think gaga just has that stage presence Katy perry brought the spectacle and fun to a halftime show um, you know, Beyonce always brings it to, I guess Beyonce probably had a good one too. She just is a powerhouse performer. Well, yeah, th- this is probably towards the top. I-, I haven't sat down and ranked them all. <laughs> like compared to some of the other ones we've had, I think this one wasn't terrible. I, I uh, was better than the weekend. Or oh weekend. yeah. That one, yeah, that one <laughs> go down as one of my least favorites, but whatever. I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it, I liked it at first, and then it kind of teetered out when I was like, why isn't she moving? It took me out of it, but then you hear, right. pregnant, changed my mind on it. So I'll tell you, if if that were my wife or my daughter pregnant, I would not want her up, you know, 100 feet in the air on a, on a platform held up by four skinny little wires. There is no way I would let a pregnant woman do that. So but. it makes it so much more impressive, though. But, you know, it was bad enough. I'm like, man, she's way up there. And I, and I know she was probably, you know, Hooked onto something. Oh yeah, you could There's see. no way she was going to fall off. But then to know that she was pregnant, also, I'm like, oh man, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I would not. Uh, I would never be able to say yeah. yes to that. Yeah. So that's that's the halftime show. And then what about the commercials? You know, the other thing everybody tunes into the Super Bowl for. You know, um, how do you feel about those all, in general? Well, uh, as usual, they pretty much stunk. Uh, there were a few good ones. I, I really like the Ben Affleck, uh, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. That commercial. one was probably, I don't know why, that was the, one of the first commercials. It was that, simple. It wasn't over the top. It was just fun. It, it was fun, and that stuck with me the whole night. Nothing else really topped it. That is probably my favorite commercial. <laughs> yeah. And then I watched a, a Watch Mojo did their top 10 Super Bowl commercials, and that was number 10. And I was like, you idiots got this wrong. And then I didn't really, I wasn't crazy about some of the other commercials they had, but what else were you, did you like? Well, you were the one that kept saying, oh, that Indiana Jones trailer and okay, the Flash yeah, trailer. We didn't want to include trailers, but. They're not commercials. Yes, to, they are. To me, they're not. The definition not a, of a film trailer, it is, it is an ad- I don't know, that's, that's advertisement. a separate category. To Randy, me. it is ad- an advertisement for a theatrical motion picture. And uh, so there, by definition, it is a commercial. It is a commercial for a movie. Yes. You, you <laughs> don't fight me on this. I know what I'm talking about. Adam Snow Movie Show on YouTube, everybody. Um, but no, yeah, they had some great uh, little movie trailers. They did like the 30 second ones because these Super Bowl ads were $7 million a pop. Keep that yeah. in mind when you're watching these commercials yeah. that this ad cost $7 million and that's I, what you gave I me. I did keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I kept, and that's why half of them stink. <laughs> you paid $7 million for that. That's the best you could come up with. That was awful. Yeah. So. You know, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny little trailer I thought was a lot of fun. I think I'm I'm very excited for that. That's one of my most anticipated films of the year. They had a Guardians one, which I don't think we saw during our broadcast. I don't know if it aired somewhere else for anybody or if it was right before the kickoff. 
But that was out there, and then they had a full trailer, which was fun. Uh, then my favorite was the Flash trailer. That did they, they had the little teaser, the thirty second one, which was great. Right. But then you had the full three minute trailer, which was even better. And yeah, it's just I'm all... I'm very excited for that movie now. I mean, so, I was anyway, but after seeing all the stuff that they they showed during the uh, the halftime show, yeah. or the, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm really excited yeah. about the Flash. And then they movie. even had I think a Transformers one, which I don't remember seeing, but uh, but yeah. But the other the other uh, big commercials out there, I'm not saying these were good, but man, you know, uh, Jesus and Tubi really made a push for commercials <laughs> this year. Those are the two big ones this year that made a push for your attention during the Super Bowl. Um, but then, like I, the other commercials, I liked Pepsi. Uh, was it Pepsi Zero Sugar ones? Yeah. There was one with Ben Stiller, which right, was that okay. One, that one's blue. We're we're Steve Martin fans, yes, so Steve that Martin, one automatically anything was anything Steve Martin does is the best. Yeah. So uh, I liked his Pepsi commercials, not so much uh, Ben Stiller. Yeah. What other commercials did you like? Uh, that T-Mobile one was towards the end of the Super Bowl T-Mobile. with with John Travolta and oh, that's uh, right, yes, yes, Kirk yes. and JD from, uh, from Scrubs. Scrubs. Yeah, that was pretty darn good. I like that. Um, and then there was a Skechers ad with Snoop Dogg. There was a couple of them. I think there was one that was better than another one, but there was a couple of those ads. Yeah, there was a different one that he did, uh, that Snoop Dogg did, where he was getting some food out of a refrigerator and they had to bleep out his language. Oh. I don't even know what that was an ad for, but I laughed at that. Yeah. I'm like, that's pretty good. There was that one, then there was, um, I think one of my other favorite ones was the Crown Royal commercial. And when I told you that, you're like, what? Oh, yeah. What commercial was that? And that was the Dave Grohl explaining all the good things Canada has yep. done, including yep. inventing football. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was just a great, like, the guy sitting next to him going, wait, over real? <laughs> Dave goes like, yeah, look it up. Look it up. Dave, Dave Grohl is really funny when he wants to be. I think he's got good comedic timing. So I thought that was a cute little commercial uh, there. And I, I did repost uh, an article that included that commercial, and it talked about what he was talking about. Oh. And it was what I told you during the game, that McGill University and Harvard played a couple of games okay. uh, in 18-something or other. One game they played with Canadian rules, and the other was with American rules. Oh, okay. And uh, so that was kind of the start of it. That's where they say that that really, you know, pushed the uh, um, football, you oh, know, okay. into the into the national consciousness or whatever. Uh, so that so that's an article. You can you can check that up on our uh, uh, Twitter feed. I think I don't know if I put it on Facebook, but it was no. it's on the Twitter feed. Okay. Well, yeah, that is pretty much everything revolving around the the Super Bowl this year. Uh, oh, and my other favorite commercial, I guess, real quick was the. Breaking Bad uh, corn poppers uh, commercial. Oh, didn't care. You never watched Breaking never watched Bad, but show, for me, no, as a fan of the Breaking Bad show, it was great. Uh, they, you know, instead of cooking up crystal meth, they were cooking up corn poppers in their little uh, Winnebago out in the middle of the desert. And yeah, they reenacted a couple of iconic scenes from that show. I thought that was a lot of fun. So, not the greatest year. Like, bring back the talk. What was it? The, the oh, Budweiser the monkeys. The Talking Babies, too. Oh, the Talking Babies. Their that commercial was, wasn't great either. No, it was terrible. I love the Talking Babies. Like, they had me for a second, and then not a great commercial. Yeah, every time they tried to recapture that, it just yeah. has not worked. Bring back, what was the, one of my favorite commercials of all time? Was the uh, the, the fridge with the f- Magic oh, Fridge. Magic Fridge. Yes, bring back the Magic Fridge. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the commercials uh, every year are disappointing. There were a few good ones this year, but I for hate the most that they spoil them ahead of time. Like you can see them before the Super Bowl. It's like, what's the point? You paid seven million dollars <laughs> for me to see it two days in advance. Well, because they know they're bad, so they get your disappointment out of the way ahead of time, so you're not totally disappointed. Ah, uh, there were some big swings and misses, but a few gems. Uh, 
we'll probably forget about them all by next year. I don't think I'll forget about that Dunkin' Donuts one anytime soon. <laughs> and uh, one other score. Uh, oh. You, you might not know this, but uh, uh, the last football game in Japan was played. Uh, it was called Ocean Bowl 28. Mm. Uh, and the uh, Kawasaki Grizzlies defeated the Shizuoka Falcons. I thought, hope I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, yeah, the Grizzlies beat the Falcons 28 to 8. Um, and that's all I really know about that game. Uh, it comes from Greg James, our man in Japan. Uh, but I, I was hoping for a little more details like are these college teams, are they all star teams? I wasn't sure exactly what was going on with them. But uh, yeah, Ocean Bowl 28, Grizzlies over Falcons 28 to 10. That was played on the same day as the Super Bowl on oh. the 12th. So, um, yep. All right. And that's it for this week's scoreboard. All right. Uh, in other NFL news, the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023 was announced at the NFL Honors. This was like Thursday night. Uh, Rondé Barber, Darrell Dar- Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, uh, Coach Don Coriel, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, and Ken Riley um, are your your members of the class of 2023. And... Uh, Normally every year I when I see the list of finalists, I say, well, he's going to make it because he's on TV every week. He's going to make it because he's on TV every week. And I'm always right. You know, that's who they go with. But, but this week, you know, these guys are not, you know, household names on any of the NFL pregame shows or, you know, whatever. So I was a little bit surprised. But uh, what do you I, think? I think it's a I decent, thought Joe Thomas might have been, isn't he? I thought he was doing something on TV. Joe Thomas was, or maybe Zach Thomas. One of the Thomases, I feel like they were doing something mm. on TV. I could be wrong, but like you said, they weren't like, one of the big five from any of right. the, you know, main pregame shows. Right. So, or like NFL Network guys. So, it's it's a solid list. A little bummed. Uh, I actually thought I've seen a lot of people upset that Devin Hester didn't make it this year. He's like one of the big names left out. There's always going to be somebody. There's always going to be somebody make it that everybody's upset about. But I mean, Darrell Revis, one of the greatest corners to ever play the game. Joe, uh, Joe Thomas. Uh, He's the offensive tackle, am I correct? With the Browns for all those years? Couldn't even tell you. I, I just wrote down the names and oh, you didn't write with her from Rondé Barber. We all remember Marcus Ware was great, you know. So I think this is a very solid class to go in this year. Yeah, Coriel, uh, those were all players. Don Coriel was a, a coach uh, and, and a contributor. That's how he got in. And then the senior committee put in three guys: Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, and Ken Riley. So there's actually nine people in the Hall of Fame class this year. Normally it's like five to seven. But they went with nine this year. I don't know why, but uh, they did. And, yeah, it's, it's a decent class. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing some of their speeches next year. And then, of course, this was all part of the NFL honors that w- took place on uh, Thursday night. Uh, no surprise, NFL Man of the Year, quarterback Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. And he, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say that it was no surprise. Uh, uh, he he was you know one of 32 uh, finalists. And uh, when they announced him at the Super Bowl, he got booed. Oh, yeah, because all those Eagles fans were there, yeah. Somebody didn't think that through. (laughs) I mean, look, I mean, say what you will about Dak on the field. Uh, Off the field, clearly, you know, he gives back to his community, as did the 32 nominees. And a lot of players in the league do, even if they aren't nominated. So I think it's one of the best honors uh, the league can do. Uh, I almost just wish that every... All 32 guys that got nominated by each team would just partially share the award. I think, you yeah. know, now I do think it's a cool tradition they started where they get, you know, now Dak gets to have the Walter Payton patch on his jersey. Yes. 
on his uh, sticker on his helmet. Sticker on his helmet his for the rest, you know, yeah, his, rest career. Of his career. Yep, so. that is cool. And then uh, this is the one I was thinking of that was uh, a no-brainer. The NFL MVP was Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs this year. Right. You know, this was another one of those toss-up categories where you know I wouldn't have been shocked if any of those guys would have gotten it. There was yeah. some talented guys, and I hate every year thinking that it's got to be a quarterback that wins. I'm not going to lie. Like, who was one of the other? Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think, mm-hmm. was one of the nominees. The wide receiver for the uh, Vikings had a stellar season. You know, he played out of his mind. You know, I think he won, what, the award for, like, the best play of the year Uh, for that one-handed grab. He was the offensive player of the year. He was offensive player of the year. But, like I said, I can't remember if he was nominated. Somebody else was nominated for MVP. Um, Yeah, I forget who the other nominees were. Oh, but uh, we do have breaking news right now. Should I I do that right now, or do we want to finish up this list first? Uh, Depends on what the news is. Uh, It's a big-name quarterback being released from his team. Oh, go ahead. Derek Carr. the Raiders have officially informed him that he has been released. Oh, okay. So Derek so Carr, instead of getting wanted. traded, he got what he wanted, and he will be released by the Las Vegas Raiders and is a free agent. That is uh, not not too surprising, but that's going to really shake up free agency this year. Yeah, yeah, it will. Well, getting back to our NFL honors list, uh, Coach of the Year, Brian Dabble of the New York Giants. Assistant Dable. Dable? Yeah. Dabble? Dable? Dable. All right, Dable. Assistant Coach of the Year, Defensive Coordinator DeMarco Ryan. Of I'm sorry, 49ers. DeMarco Ryan, but it should have been Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions, <laughs> and we all know it. But now DeMarco Ryan is the head coach of the Texans. Yep. So I don't know if that's an insult or not. <laughs> no, look, I think DeMarco Ryan's, you know, did a heck of a job. Clearly, he got him the job with the Texans. So yep. congratulations. Yep. I, I, I kid, like, I do think Ben Johnson should have got the award, but hey, hard to argue. All these guys nominated deserve. Yeah. Get the award. Yep. Uh, comeback player of the year, quarterback Geno Smith of the Seahawks. Should have been quarterback Jared Goff. I'm just kidding. Geno deserved <laughs> this one too. Uh, again, like we said, uh, offensive player of the year, uh, just wide receiver Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. Defensive player of the year, defensive end Nick Bosa of the 49ers. Offensive rookie of the year, wide receiver Garrett Wilson of the Jets. And defensive rookie of the year, his teammate, quarterback, cornerback, Sauce Gardner of the Jets. Should have oh. been Aiden Hutchinson. I am very upset. This is the this is the one I'm a little upset by, but look, Sauce Gardner, immediate stud there at cornerback. Like even when we the Lions played him, they didn't want to throw the ball in his direction. So I think that says something about a player when a team actively avoids throwing the ball in your direction. That says something. So congratulations, Sauce Gardner. I can say that Aiden I do think Aiden should have got it, but you know what? I'm not actually upset that Sauce got it. Sauce was a heck of a player and deserves the award. I'm I'm just saying congratulations to the Jets for having the offensive and defensive yeah, rookie of the year. How, how often do you see that? That's, no, those never. are good building blocks yeah, for the Jets. Yep. So. Uh, I think that's a place where Aaron Rodgers should go. You know, they've got a good team there. And once they get him, then they won't be a good team anymore. Uh, rushing leader uh, of the year. The award has now been renamed the Jim Brown Award. Oh. Uh, they had Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith up there talking about, you know, they introduced it, uh, and they also, and Jim Brown was in the audience. He He's getting up there, Mr. Brown. Yeah. But uh, they honored him by by changing the name of the Rushing Leader of the Year to the Jim Brown Award, which I think is great. So uh, Rushing Leader of the Year, running back Josh Jacobs of the Raiders won that award. Uh, the Pepsi Rookie of the Year, defensive end Aiden Hutchinson 
of the Lions. That was a fan vote thing, so yeah. that really wasn't part of this whole thing. It's, right. it's like a side thing. I think a lot of people were confused. Yeah, I was at first, too. I thought, oh, yeah, he's Rookie of the Year, but no, it's just the Pepsi fan voted Rookie right. of the Year. Um, whatever. So, um, And then yeah. speaking of awards that don't really matter, uh, you have a few that you just don't want to talk about. Yeah, they had some other crappy ones. The Angry Run of the Year, Kyle Brandt, is that his name that does the Angry Run thing? Yeah. He was up there screaming and hollering and doing his thing and passing on the scepter or whatever, and I'm just like, sit down and shut up. Uh, let's see, they also had the Fan of the Year, which was a, a guy from the, who was that, was it from the Denver Broncos? I forget wow. who the Fan of the Year was. Uh, but, you know, that that's cool for him. And then they had the Selly of the Year, the Celebration of the Year, and they picked that out, you know, some random touchdown celebration or whatever. Those are all stupid awards. They shouldn't even have them out Were there. Were they touchdowns that got fined because... Yeah. Uh, yeah. That just uh, seems like a terrible idea. Let's give yeah. the award to this celebration that we actually find during the season. Yeah. But then uh, I thought it was kind of nice. And they did this a couple of times over the weekend. They they brought out the first responders that uh, uh, helped uh, DeMar Hamlin, you know, at the hospital yeah. and, and on the field and whatnot. They brought them all out on the stage. Then they brought DeMar Hamlin out on the stage. Uh, he made a little speech and then, you know, thanked everybody that... That was there on stage with him. I thought that was kind of cool. And then they did the same thing at the Super Bowl. You know, they had all those people there, and they brought uh, Demar Hamlin out. Uh, I guess you can't get enough of that. But um, so that, and that was good. And then before the NFL honors, I think uh, Roger Goodell had his state of the. It was like during the day. State yeah, of the he NFL. always does his state yeah. of the NFL address. Yeah. Uh, the two things I really took from that was uh, Goodell says that officiating has never been better. Which everybody on Twitter immediately said, "You sir are a liar." Pretty, pretty much, thank you. Yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, that's exactly what all of Twitter collectively said. Yeah, no, officiating is not getting better. Uh, it needs to be improved, and to say that is irresponsible. I think. Uh, so that was the one thing, and then he also said that uh, Thursday night games could be flexed. Now, I don't mind flexing a game if it's already on Sunday and you want to make it the national spotlight game, like they did with the lions game there, uh, the, the last week of the right. regular season, because you're already going to be the game. You know, it's only changing it by a few hours. It's like moving it from a one o'clock game to a four right. o'clock game. Now you're moving it to a, a primetime game. That's fine. But if you're taking uh, a game that's on a Sunday and you're moving it to a Thursday, I don't, I don't like that at all. It depends on how they're going to say flex. So like, could it be like where, like, they flex those games at the end of the year where like the last couple of weeks, every, every game was to be determined. They didn't know if it was a Saturday yeah. or a Sunday game yet. Could be, maybe we go into the last four or five weeks of the year and they go, all right, everybody is eligible to be flexed. So at least a couple of weeks in advance, you, you could be notified, Hey, you're playing Thursday now. Yeah. No, which I, which still I I don't like either. I don't like the short turnaround. But that screws up the fans. It's not, it's not just True. the, the teams does. and the players. It's the fans. Years ago, I was going to go to my very Those first... Those who can't see, Randy is pointing at me vehemently <laughs> with a pen. He's really passionate about this. I think it was 1993. I, I bought tickets to go see my very first CFL game in Toronto because Flutie was coming to town with the Calgary Stampeders. And I and wanted that's a to Canadian that. classic Christmas song, Flutie is coming to town. <laughs> and that was the year that the uh, Toronto Blue Jays the World made it to the World Series. So the Sunday game that I was going to be going to they moved that game to a Monday night game. Well, that didn't set well with me because I had already, I didn't have to take any leave, you know, because I was going to be back to, to work or I, maybe I had taken Monday off, but I, now I was going to have to take Tuesday off. So um, that really screwed me up. So I had to cancel my 
uh, my tickets to that game, I called them up. And at first, they weren't going to give me my money back. But then I said, hey, it's not my fault. You changed the game from a Sunday to a Monday, and that doesn't work for me. And so they gave me my money back. And I wound up going the next year to see Flutie. Um, same situation. He came to town with the St. Peter's. But no, from a fan's point of view, if you've got your whole thing set up where you're going to go on a Sunday to see your team play maybe your biggest rival or something like that, and now all of a sudden they're moving it to a Thursday night, if you live in in that particular town, great. But like for us, that's a two-hour drive to get to Detroit, fighting the traffic, and then, you know, you got another two-hour drive coming home. Uh, That is not good. This is not fan-friendly, and I hate the idea of flexing Thursday night games. I'm sorry. Randy, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. No, the needs of the NFL outweigh the fans and what they want and what they deserve. So screw that. You're not wrong. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> so no, I do not like the idea. And I think they're throwing it out there right now to see what the fan reaction is going to be. Uh, the games could be flexed. And now if they get a lot of you know, pushback on this from fans... Maybe they won't do it. Like I said, but I think a stupid if, idea. if they go with the approach like they do did for the last couple of years, where it's weeks seventeen and eighteen are all to be determined in advance, then maybe, then maybe you could get away with that. Well, they don't have a Thursday night game in week eighteen. Well, maybe they will now. Yeah. I just can't see them flexing a game week one. You know, like oh, we need better change to that game or week ten. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it I, that early in the I season. I just think you know. Maybe it'll be something like that, or maybe they'll have to extend the two be determines for several weeks instead of the last two weeks. Maybe that last six weeks, the last month and a half, it's completely you do not know when you're playing yet. Mm-hmm. It could get that crazy. I, I, I think that's the only way, and maybe other people could point out a way it could work. That's the only way I could see that flying, especially with teams where they have to go. We have to agree to this scheduling nonsense. Like, what do we get out of it? For all of a sudden now. You know, our game, our prep for that week has to completely change on the whims of an NFL schedule. Like, that's that's my curiosity. And will that make for a better product or not? That's another thing I'm worried about is the short turnaround being like, oh, again, oh, by the way, guys, in our Monday morning meeting, we just found out, oh, we don't have the extra couple of days we needed to prep. Yeah. Sunday. Now we have to get ready for Thursday. Like, yep. And we got to get on the road and, and yeah, pack the, all our travel stuff. plans. Yeah. All that's got to be set up. And yeah, it just seems like that would be a nightmare. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what the NFL that you know them. They, they've they come up with a few ideas that we initially hate that maybe they kind of work, even though we don't like it, they, but it works logistically. Then there's some stuff where it's just like, it just doesn't work at all. And no, they'll, this move, be one of those. they'll move these games to Thursday night because they'll make buku bucks from advertisers for putting it in prime time. And they don't care if they have to play in front of an empty empty stadium because they've proven during COVID they can play to an empty house and still make money hand over fist because of all the advertising and the uh, TV contracts. So that's where it's at. It's all a money grab. I hate the idea. Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, that's basically it for all of our NFL talk this week. I think we covered everything on our list from all the NFL honors. And How about the shady commercial and... that YouTube TV put out against you know DirecTV? Oh, now that YouTube TV is going to have... NFL Sunday ticket. Oh, they took a shot at uh, DirecTV and satellite dishes. It cracked me up a little bit. I was like, it's already begun. <laughs> that that wasn't the Tubi commercial. No, no, it was about. a YouTube TV commercial. Okay. I where they said that one. You don't need a satellite anymore to enjoy NFL Sunday ticket. And I was like, dang, they just went straight for the jugular on that one. Yeah. Well, you know, DirecTV has had that uh, that package for decades since day one, I think, and. Uh, um, yeah, I've never really watched it. We've we've never had Direct TV. We've always had uh, 
dish network so um it never really affected us and i would i wouldn't pay for that anyway i mean as long as i can get my lions for free on local tv here uh or espn i'm fine and uh i would never pay for that but we're going to move on to uh, the IFL. I got some IFL news that came out today. The Indoor Football League, Indoor for those football of you League. not in the know. Yep, they they came out with a, a few rule changes for this upcoming season of 2023. Um, I know you haven't seen these yet, so I'll read these to yeah, you. Yeah, I saw that they came out with rules. I just didn't go down the I didn't yep. see a bullet point list, so I didn't. Okay. They came out yeah. with four, and I got three of them here. The other one, I, I didn't really affect things too too much. I think it was clock management or something. But the three that, that I really... Uh, zeroed in on was uh, the positive yardage rule in the last 60 seconds of a game has been eliminated. Uh, therefore, teams will now be allowed to down the ball and take a knee in the victory formation in the final minute. And that was something that the Arena Football League had always had. You had to get positive yardage. So you couldn't take a knee. You had to, you know, run the ball to keep the clock running or run it for a yard or, or maybe, you know, try a short pass or something. But you could not take a knee. But I guess the Indoor Football League is going to allow that now. I think, didn't the Arena Football League allow that towards the end? Yes, they did, and I hated that too because it was so different from uh, what they'd done yeah. in the past. But th- that's one of the rules that they're changing in the Indoor Football League. The deuce rule. <clears throat> is this when you have to go to the bathroom in the <laughs> no, middle of the game? No. Uh, is now in effect during the entire game. Anytime a ball is kicked through the uprights on a kickoff, the kicking team is awarded two points, uh, and the ball will be spotted at the five-yard line uh, as if it was a touchback, but mm. the kicking team will get two points. I, I knew that, that they had this two-point rule. If you, if you were able to kick it through the uprights on a kickoff, that you got a couple points. And uh, in prior seasons, the deuce was only available in the final 60 seconds of each half. So if it happened during the first part of the game, it didn't mean anything. How do you feel about something like that? Where like we saw that a lot in the arena league, where a ball would get kicked off and it would go straight through the uprights and then you know kind of get caught up in the re- the net there until yeah. be a touchback essentially. Do you, do you like this? Like this could be a very frequent thing. This could be an additional ten, you know, fourteen points a game for you mm-hmm. know depending on how high scoring or how many touchdowns are scored. You kick the ball off after a, a touchdown. Yeah. Now you're getting an extra two points on top of that. Like that's well, if you if you've got a good kicker that can kick it true. that far and get it right down the middle where it goes through the uprights. It's true. Yeah, it might be might be good for that, but uh, I don't know. But I but I knew that the IFL had had this deuce rule for several years. But I I didn't know that it was only in the final sixty seconds though. Uh, and then the last one here, as an add-on to the extension uh, of the deuce rule, the ball is considered live if the kickoff hits the uprights or the goalposts and comes back onto the field of play. Either team can advance the ball. If the receiving team recovers the ball in the end zone, a rouge is in effect, which I'm assuming that means they get one point. Where in the Arena Football League, you know, if you recover in the end zone, that was a touchdown. So they're doing a little bit of that. But because they're not using the uh, rebound nets, now it's just the goalpost. So right. if it hits the goalpost and it bounces back, it's anybody's ball. Right. It's a live ball. So they're they're kind of making that more like the Arena League uh, rules. Right. But um, I, I think these these rules are fine. That's fine. I, but, I'm very curious about this deuce. Like I've always wondered, like why don't we give teams points on kickoffs for getting it through the upper? If a kicker's that good, yeah, to get it that accurately through there. I mean, we've seen them make field goal kicks. And at least in the indoor game, arena game, like right, you know, fifty yards long. But right, well, that would be a fifty-eight yard field goal. Yeah, because you know the the uh, end zones are eight yards. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if if you can get a fifty-eight yarder right down the middle, you should get something for that. Yeah. 
Two points would be fine. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. All right, well, let's move on to some other stuff. Uh, today's don't forget birthdays. the IFL season does begin March 17th. Oh, yes, I did forget that. There you go. Yes. But I've got that in the upcoming events. So okay, well, I just thought later. we mentioned it now. <laughs> in case we tune people out before okay. then. Today's birthdays, April 14th, Valentine's Day. When I think Valentine's Day, I always think Coach Woody Hayes uh, of Ohio State. He was born on this date in 1913, and he passed away in 1987 at the age of 74. He was the head coach at Ohio State for 28 seasons from 1951 to 1978, and he compiled a record of 205 wins, 61 losses, and 10 ties. He led his teams to five national championships. But that all came to an end when he punched a Clemson player on the sidelines during the 1978 Gator Bowl, a game in which Ohio State lost 17-10. to You've seen that highlight, haven't you? Yeah. Guy intercepted a pass, and it really upset him. Mm. And he punched that guy right in the throat, right underneath his uh, his face mask. And uh, uh, the video I was re-watching today to, to uh, uh, remind myself of everything that happened uh, talked about how, you know, if this were to happen today, you know, that coach would have been suspended, ejected immediately, but they let him coach the rest of the game. And uh, even the announcers didn't, didn't really say that much about it when it happened. But... Uh, that was everywhere. I don't know if I was watching that game live, I uh, but I do remember seeing it about the time that it happened within a day or so. And man, that was just something else. And Ohio State had no uh, uh, no other recourse. They had to fire him over that. It's just uh, a very unfortunate inter- in incident and uh, just uh, uh, a, a real black mark on his whole career. I mean, five national championships and, and uh, 205 wins. And to you know, th- and that's what you remembered for. Uh, that's that's too bad. And then the other birthday today is quarterback Jim Kelly. He turned sixty-three years old today. Played his college football at the University of Miami, which I never knew. Uh, his fourteenth overall pick in the nineteen eighty-three NFL draft by the Buffalo Bills. However, he signed with the USFL's Houston Gamblers, where he played in nineteen eighty-four and nineteen eighty-five. Man, was he good in the USFL in that run and shoot offense? Gosh, so good to watch him play there. Uh, but then he joined the Bills in 1986 and led the team to four consecutive Super Bowls, which they lost, but uh, he retired after the 1996 season. Uh, another thing was um, after the 1985 USFL season, you know, a lot of teams were moving around, and so the Houston Gamblers uh, were, I think they were consolidating with the New Jersey Generals because he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a New Jersey General uniform. So he and Doug Flutie were going to be on the same team, in 1986, if they had played that season, I don't, I don't know who they would have picked as their starting quarterback. But had, to have two superstars on your, on your team like that, that could only have led to trouble. And, uh, but luckily that that never happened. But yeah, he was on the cover in a New Jersey Generals uniform after spending two years with the um, uh, Houston Gamblers. But yeah, he was great with the Gamblers. Okay, uh, breaking. Hold on. More no, breaking I, news? Not breaking news, but something that I thought you were going to put on the rundown, and I'm shocked that it wasn't on the rundown. We have two, the final two NFL head coaching vacancies mm. were filled. Oh, really? And We uh, talked about one earlier. but Yeah, which is why I was shocked that that wasn't on the rundown, because okay. that would have reminded me to bring up the second one. Okay. So earlier today, Go for it. the Colts officially hired Shane Steichen. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. Ooh. Steichen? Steichen? I have no He's idea. the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so that is the Colts' new head coach, uh, made official this morning. And then about an hour or so ago, I guess the Cardinals made it official. Um, 
or at least they were planning to hire him, and I think they did officially say welcome to Arizona to the defensive coordinator for the Eagles. Jonathan Gannon will be their next head coach. Um. So all the NFL head coaching vacancies are now filled. Uh, Two from and, the Eagles in one, in one day. Yeah. Wow. And for the Cardinals, uh, as a Lions fan, we're just going to let you know, the last time a defensive coordinator was hired to be a head coach after losing the Super Bowl, it does not go well. <laughs> Speaking from Matt Patricia experience. Uh, okay. I'm not saying this guy will be like Matt Patricia, but I'm hey, just saying. You said that name twice, that means you got to wash your mouth out. with. I say it a third time, is it going to show up like Beetlejuice? Uh, no, but I'm going to hit you with something I've got laying around here. Okay, we're going to move on to obituaries today. Thank you for that update, by uh-huh. the way. Yeah, I'm just upset that uh, our crack research staff did not have that on the rundown. I haven't gotten to yell at them in a while. You guys need to get your crap together. That's right. I'm looking at all of you, and especially you. Mainly you. Obituaries. This is where we take a moment to honor those who've made the world of football a better place. The first obituary this week is a big one. Conrad Dobler. A guard in the NFL for 10 seasons has passed away at the age of 72. Dobler played college football at Wyoming and was selected uh, as a fifth r- in the fifth round of the 1972 NFL draft by the St. Louis Cardinals. He played for the Cardinals from 1972 to 1977. He also played for the New Orleans Saints in 78 and 79 and the Buffalo Bills from 1980 to 1981. He was called Pro Football's Dirtiest Player on, in a cover story in Sports Illustrated on July 25th, 1977, and in 1989, he released his autobiography, which was titled, They Call Me Dirty. I've got that right over there on the shelf. Might as well have been his rap single as well. (laughs) All right, our second and, uh, yep, second obituary, we got a few, uh, is that of Larry Coyer, a longtime assistant coach in the NFL, college, and the United States Football League, has passed away at the age of 79. Coyer began his coaching career at Marshall in 1969. He also spent time as a college assistant at Bowling Green, Iowa, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State uh, through 1982. He also spent three seasons coaching in the USFL with the Michigan Panthers in 1983 and 1984 and the Memphis Showboats in 1985. He won a USFL title with the Michigan Panthers in 1983, Hoyer also coached for several NFL teams, including the New York Jets, Denver Broncos, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Indianapolis Colts, and Washington Redskins through 2013. Hoyer finished his coaching career back in college with New Mexico State in 2014. Our next obituary is that of Demetrius Stanley, a wide receiver in the Canadian Football League and the Arena Football League, dies of prostate cancer at the age of 48. Stanley played college football at Ohio State and was select and was not selected uh, in the uh, NFL draft. He signed as a free agent with the CFL's Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 1998, where he played one season. He also played for the New Jersey Red Dogs of the Arena Football League in 1999 and 2000. All right, and our final obituary this week is that of Paul Martha. A wide receiver, running back, and defensive back in the NFL for seven seasons has passed away at the age of 80. Martha played college football at the University of Pittsburgh and was selected with the 10th overall pick in the 1964 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was also selected in the ninth round of the 1964 American Football League Draft by the Buffalo Bills. He signed with the Steelers and played for the team from 1964 to 1969. He finished his playing career with the Denver Broncos in 1970. 
Martha went on to be president of the Pittsburgh Maulers of the United States Football League in 1984. That kind of reminds me of the uh, the current Pittsburgh quarterback. What's his name? Uh, played for University of Pittsburgh and got selected Kenny by Pickett. Kenny Pickett and got picked up by the Steelers and wound up playing for them. Okay, uh, any more breaking news before we go into the history lesson this week? No, other than my package has arrived with the new uh, Hogwarts Legacy oh, video God. game, which is why we need to hurry up and wrap this show up. We've gone on way too long. I need to get home and play this game really bad. All right, this week's history lesson, uh, in honor of Black History Month, we have a profile of Herb Trawick, the first black player in the Canadian Football League. When you think of the men who integrated the NFL and the All-America Football Conference back in 1946, the names Woody Strode and Kenny Washington of the Los Angeles Rams, along with Marion Motley and Bill Willis of the Cleveland Browns, all come to mind. But there was a fifth player who integrated the gridiron in Canada that very same year. Herb Trowick was born on February 22, 1921, in Elm Grove, Pennsylvania. He played college football at Kentucky State and was a guard and tackle. He left college at a time when the winds of racial injustice in sports were about to change forever. Before Jackie Robinson broke the Major League Baseball color barrier with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947, he spent time in the minor league playing for the Montreal Royals in 1946. Because of this, Lou Heyman, the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes, signed Trawick to the team as a free agent just a few months later. He became the first African-American to play in the Canadian Football League and was one of only five American players allowed on the team at the time. But even in Canada, where the color of a man's skin was much less a matter of prejudice than it was in the United States, two CFL teams, the Toronto Argonauts and the Ottawa Rough Riders, initially threatened to boycott games with Montreal if Trowick played on the team. Trowick enjoyed a 12-year career in the CFL, all of them with the Alouettes, from 1946 to 1957, winning a Great Cup championship with the team in 1949. He was named an Eastern Conference All-Star seven times during his career. But even though he was a star on the team, he struggled at times to find work in the off-season. He spent time as a doorman, shoe salesman, and he dabbled in professional wrestling. Despite all this, Trowick loved Canada so much that he became a Canadian citizen in 1953 and remained in the country for the rest of his life. Towards the end of his playing career, from 1954 to 1956, Trowick played in three consecutive Grey Cup games, losing all three to the Edmonton Eskimos. Edmonton was led by another African-American from the United States and a future Canadian Football Hall of Famer himself, quarterback Johnny Bright from Drake University. After his playing career was over, Trawick wanted to go into coaching, but none was ever offered to him. Herb Trawick died on September 16, 1985, in Hawkesbury, Ontario, which is just west of Montreal, at the age of 64. Coach Lou Heyman went on to not just be the coach of the Alouettes, but also the team's general manager and a part owner of the team. He was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 1975. In 1997, 
park in the little burgundy neighborhood of Montreal was named in honor of Trawick. While Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, Marion Motley, and Bill Willis will always be remembered as the ones who broke the color barrier in the United States, it must also be remembered that Herb Trawick did the same thing in Canada that very same year of 1946. Once again, the history lessons for Black History Month uh, tend to be some of your best. So, I mean, I really there's always, enjoy... always unique stories and stuff that people probably haven't heard of. Yeah, I really enjoy uh, researching these and, and, and putting a spin on it. Um, and the fact that uh, he, he, won, he won one Grey Cup on his own, 1949, with the team. But then he played in three consecutive ones late in his career, but he lost all three of them to the Edmonton Eskimos, and they were led by... Warren Moon? <laughs> no, a little bit before Warren oh. Moon. Johnny Bright. Dang. Uh, I was going to say, he had a long career if he made it to Warren Moon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. But, uh, yeah, so you know, here he's the first black player in Canada, and then Johnny Bright, another African-American from the state, goes up there, and, and he beats him three times in, a, in the Grey Cup. So very interesting story. All right, uh, upcoming events calendar. Well, can we even mention that, you know, one thing we forgot to talk about with the Super Bowl, now that, you know, talk about Black History Month, the fact that it, the first Super Bowl ever with two African-American quarterbacks. You know, I hope we get to a point in I know, history I know, where we don't have to point that out anymore. I know, but it, it is. I know it was historic. It was you know, historic. It was, it was a great thing. I, I can't I wait was for actually, it to be. I was actually surprised that it hadn't happened between right. now and uh you know, when the last 15, Redskins 20 years, won it with, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, just especially the last 15, 20 years, right. you know, you would have thought, right. But yeah. I mean, like you, you said, I, I wholeheartedly agree that this, that's something that we don't need to have that preface, you know, uh, but unfortunately, you know, I mean, it is history for now and I want it to be normalized where yeah. we don't even think about it next, right. like the next time Patrick Mahomes and, uh, Jalen Hurts play each other in a Super Bowl, or if it's Patrick Mahomes and, Oh, uh, if Lamar goes to a different team or any of these other great young, sure. you know, quarterbacks coming up, you know, that we just, it's normal. And we don't have to say, this is the second time in NFL. Yeah. We can stop it. We had the first. This was great. We need more of this and it should be normal. Okay. So, but I did just want to just throw that out there, man. Okay. All right. Upcoming events calendar this Saturday. And another thing. I'm just kidding. February 18th, the XFL regular season begins. So we are going to have scores next week. From the four XFL games. Let's go Vipers. They're, they're going to be uh, two on Saturday. Let's and go Vipers. Two on Sunday. I think you're going to be able to watch all four of these on TV. ESPN's got a couple. I think Fox Sports has got a couple. And ABC uh, has one or two. So you should be able to watch all four of the XFL games this weekend. And we will have scores next Tuesday. Oh, that's right. No sleep for the World of Football scoreboard. Nope. nope. Uh, Friday, March 17th, the Indoor Football League regular season begins. Sunday, April 16th, the USFL regular season begins. And Thursday, April 27th through the 29th, the NFL draft in Kansas City. Man, it just never ends. Should we go to that draft in Kansas City? I mean, no, I know it's coming to Detroit It's next coming to year. Detroit. We should wait. We can wait a year. <laughs> we can wait a year. I can, you can, we all can. I really can. want to see Kansas City. I do, too. <laughs> I, want to go to, I want to get some barbecue. Yeah. I want to check out their stadium. You know, the Lions are going to Kansas City this year. Are they? Yes. As long as they don't make that the European game, you know, the, the game overseas, <laughs> we can make that. Or I've heard a lot of people saying, you know who the first team Kansas City should play week one of? Because, you know, they get to host the first game of the year now. Yeah. Well, it'll probably be a rematch it, if, if, mm, if they're on their side. They're not going to do a rematch because it's always uh, the Super Bowl team just plays, you know, a different oh, it'll team. It'll probably be Buffalo then. It, it could be. Or saying opening week, 
Detroit versus Kansas City, the team that everybody was falling in love with against the Super Bowl champions, open the NFL season. Come on. Didn't uh, Detroit almost beat Kansas City uh, two years ago? A couple at years home? ago, yeah, that was great. That was great. that was like one of oh, yeah. the only games Patrick Mahomes did not throw a touchdown pass in. Yeah, they had to, they had to like come from behind in the final seconds to yeah. win that game. There was a Detroit a, had their number. All I'm game still long. mad about a Kenny Galladay touchdown that they called a non-touchdown. Man, I'm still bitter about that. We should have won that game. Well, that's everything I've got for this week. Uh, anything else on your end before we wrap nope, this up? Other than you know more uh, news about. I mean, it's the same news, but the NFL app just reiterating that Derek Carr has been informed of his release. So it's going to be a crazy offseason. Yep. It's just going to get crazier. And now we have all 32 coaching vacancies filled. You know, uh, we're off to the races. It's all real. And uh, the combine's right around the corner. Oh, that's right. I don't even have to have that on yeah, my list. Yeah, I was going to say you didn't have the combine that's on what, there. end of this month? or Probably, yeah. We're really close to the combine. So, man. I'll have that on there for next week. Okay, but... <laughs> We're in it, and the XFL starting up this week. I'm right. gonna I have my Vipers gear on this weekend, watching the game. So I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to get me a new uh, Battlehawk shirt. Oh, gee, the, the size are too the new hat I got you wasn't the size enough, are too huh? bigger than the last one. Uh huh. All right, I think we are good to wrap this thing up. We just hit over an hour, so. Oh, cool. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible monodiversity that exists in the world of football, then we have done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, original articles, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. Come be our Valentine by liking The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo. You can also follow our Twitter. The address is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted on Tuesdays and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. You can search YouTube for the World of Football Kalamazoo or use the handy handle youtube.com slash at the world of football. We are also on Amazon Music, so simply ask your Siri or Alexa device to, quote, play the World of Football podcast and listen to our dulcet tones in your ear holes. Mm -hmm. Feel free to subscribe, rate, review, give us a like, leave us a comment, and let us know what you think. And please, come be a part of the football conversation because... Football season never ends. That's right. Listen, this house it does. It goes on and on, my friends. <laughs> and remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than we do. Until next time, when we'll try and do better, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm your Valentine. Not mine. Uh, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>